0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Domcast episode 58, and yeah, the first part of the off season. Well, it's not really the first of the off season, but it's the first one where I'm like really interviewing someone I hadn't worked with before. Is coming a little bit late. I won't even lie to y'all; it snuck up on me. A week passed. I was real busy, and I was going, "Oh wait, yes, off season. league's going on." I have not had a pod yet. So, what better way to start it than with someone who is covering a team that had been in the news? It might be a little bit drowned out by now, but I want more information on the, on this team and the movie they made so i've actually brought in atlanta hawks reporter pat benson pat thank you for coming on the podcast welcome
1: oh my man i appreciate the invite i'm so happy to be here long time fan first time caller
0: absolutely yeah and probably well i know for sure it won't be the last time uh for anyone listening to the podcast you already know this is on spotify it's on apple podcasts it's on youtube so the ratings help much appreciated five stars on Spotify, like button on YouTube if that does anything these days. And we will first hop in so that you're familiar with Pat. And so I get familiar with Pat because like I said, I hadn't worked with him before. Um, you can just tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got to working with the Hawks, and what your uh what your career path right now actually entails. I'm I'm interested too, because yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I uh, cover the Hawks for SIs and Fan Nations Allhawks.com. So uh, it, <clears throat> it hasn't always been a linear progression to get here. You know, working in the media, you're going to take some steps forward, some steps back. But um, really just, uh, I'll pick up in 2020, I started writing for Forbes. I covered the Hawks then. And then, of course, the, the pandemic hit, league got suspended, and um, I was let go. Unfortunately, you know, during the, um, the hiatus in action and um, wrote a book, Kobe Bryant's Sneaker History. And then, um, luckily, that turned into a job that I have right now. So, um, I've definitely been fortunate, and uh, uh, can definitely say I've caught some lucky breaks.
0: Okay, and in that, in that, right there. I'm sorry. Did you say you wrote a book?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, Kobe Bryant's sneaker history, '96 to 2020, and it's something I wrote uh, during the the early stages of the pandemic, I guess. Um, I'm not sure if we're saying it's over yet or if it's just the new normal or whatever, but yes, I wrote it and uh, put it on uh, Amazon and donated the first year's worth of proceeds to charities, various charities, just because, you know, I wasn't really trying to make a profit off, you know, a tragedy. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and luckily I met the uh, director and editor of SI's NBA and sneakers coverage during that process. And even after I wrote the book, man, there still really weren't there weren't that many websites or that many uh, publications hiring. So I uh, I reached out to my friend. I said, hey, you know, right now, see, there's nothing going on with Atlanta. Like, can I try? And uh, he's like, well, I can't really promise anything, but here's who you need to speak with. And uh, luckily enough, I got on and, uh, you know, I- I'm just so lucky, man. I get to cover prime Trey Young. So <laughs> it's, it's a blessing.
0: Oh, no, absolutely. Prime Trey Young and now the Jonte Murray, too, which came yeah. out of nowhere because I, I didn't expect that trade. That's kind of where we'll be starting. But yeah, no, first of all, congratulations on that. You know, a couple of people that I've worked with so far, they've told me their paths to working with NBA teams and just kind of getting in where they fit in. And it's always a story like this. It's, it's just really cool to see. So um, and you, the last thing with that was yeah, I did see on your Twitter, too. So you're working with the Hawks and you're also working with some sneaker coverage now, which I'm assuming is, is related to the work you did, correct? You were. Yeah, with? yeah.
1: That, that's exactly right. So everything I've been doing with the Hawks has been on top of a 40 hour work week doing a customer service job on a college uh, college campuses, financial aid office. Mm-hmm. So, man, there are times where I'd be coming in on little to no sleep, and I'd be typing articles while getting cussed out on the phone. So (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like the quality of content is only going to improve, and obviously I'm a sneakerhead, so uh, I'm super excited to be doing both
0: right right absolutely yeah make sure we we link after the podcast i get that link in and put it in the comment section and description of this pod all right well yeah congratulations on that awesome to hear let's go ahead and start with the team that you are covering and what happened this summer because that's kind of the questions that everyone is having surrounding the atlanta hawks like you said covering a prime trey young had this run in 2021 getting to the conference finals and we're going to talk about kind of the differences between that team and the one that came into 2022 but i think that we saw in the play they, obviously got a, they got up against a somewhat healthy Miami Heat, and the it, the matchup was glaring. Like all they really had to do was close Trey Young out, the perimeter defense, they did not have another creator, and it got you know it got fairly easy for the Miami Heat to, to go on and win that series. I think that was a terrible matchup for the Hawks. So they go in and they capitalize this summer. Uh we don't know how the fit works with the Like there's questions about it, but they do it anyways because the cost, in my opinion, was not that high. It was Gallinari and some picks. Did you thought did you think that cost was really that much for the Atlanta Hawks to, to go and get a player like the
1: no, I don't think so, especially when you look, you know, we'll cover the Rudy Gobert trade later, but uh, when you compare it to some of these other trades and you look at what Brooklyn Nets are asking for Kevin Durant, obviously DeJounte's not on either of those two. they not, He's not on their level, but still. Uh, three first rounds, a pick swap, and then Gallo's expiring contract. I mean, that's, that's really not bad. Just to harken back to what you said earlier, uh, the Miami Heat, not only did they beat the Hawks, but they beat them up, so... They had to get better. And uh so far they've done that this offseason. And I think DeJounte um he really is going to improve Trey Young's game. He's going to cover up a lot of the weak spots. And um, yeah, I think I think they swung for the fences and they hit a home run.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like I said at the beginning of this pod, hearing that De- DeJounte was even on the market was a shock to me. I got it. After you know, after looking at it a little bit, I understand why this Spurs did it, but you know, throughout this whole season and the season that the Jante had, I just didn't expect that to happen. Now, of course, the number one question everyone immediately has is Murray is not really a two. Trey Young has not done a whole lot off ball. So how do you see this fit on offense? Because on defense, it's quite obvious. I mean, this does really help just how Steph Curry had Klay Thompson in his prime covering his his toughest matchups at PG. The Jante is going to immediately probably take over that. And that helps. You're going to have a playmaker. you never well, yeah, you're gonna have two playmakers on the floor, but I'm assuming pretty much the entire game you're gonna have at least a one-star level playmaker on the floor, and that's cool. But when they're together, like, how do you see this fit? What do you think Trey Young will be improving on to make that work? And are you worried about the Jonte off-ball in the minutes that he has to not play catch and shoot? But we'll kind of have to adapt because this is much different than what was happening in San Antonio for him.
1: Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be an adjustment period. It's it's not going to be the smoothest of transitions, but no doubt, like this this is going to benefit both players. Uh, one, we've seen just a little bit of Trey playing off ball, and when he does, he excels in that role. And uh, this is something he's excited about. You know, Hawks fans, a lot of folks are saying this is going to be what unlocks the next phase of his game. Mm-hmm. Maybe makes him look a little bit more like Steph Curry. So that's certainly exciting and. Um, They're for sure going to play with a lot more pace. They're going to be uh, uh, scoring more points off turnovers, which is two areas where the team is lacked. So, you know, they had the first or second best offensive rating throughout the entire regular season. So even if they take a slight step back offensively, where they make their gains on defense is what's going to save them. But really, I I just don't see that many negatives about it, other than maybe a little bit of a feeling out process. This is an all-around positive
0: Yeah, and that's pretty much the conclusion that I came to afterwards. I talked about it on another pod when it initially happened and I was just going, I I think that both of them recognize obviously the adjustment that'll be, that'll need to be made for the fit. But what you get as an addition with the Jante. You, you do this type of thing, especially if you're the Hawks and you're going, we were in the conference finals. The East got much tougher in just one year. Yeah. I kind of felt like after 2021, there was, I, I didn't, I just never really thought that team with that specific roster was going to make that run again. And then obviously things got really hard throughout the season. So if you can make a move like the John say for, like you said, a pick swap, uh, an expiring contract and, to, and some other picks, you're, you you absolutely do that. So I think it was a smart move for the Hawks. And because of the the Jante trade. I feel like trading Kevin Herter more or less went under the radar. Nobody really had any kind of like dialogue about that. So, what did you think of that one? Because that I, I thought you know with the role he had played in twenty one and him being a shooter, I was like, okay, cool. So now they've got this on top of the Jante, and he's on he's a king. Like two days later, what what did you make of that trade?
1: Yeah, Hawks fans aren't too crazy about that one. I think they made the trade just because there's a bit of a log jam in the backcourt and. Honestly, it's starting to look more like a cost-cutting measure because as soon as the Hawks completed that DeJounte-Murray trade, they've gone out of their way to try to get Wiggle under the luxury tax. They're going to be right there at that line, and that's been a big point of contention in Atlanta. Every time uh, the, anybody gets a hold of the owner or the general manager, and any kind of media availability, they're asking them, hey, are you willing to go into the luxury tax to, to try and put together another team that could win a championship? Mm-hmm. And they've said on multiple occasions, we're not afraid of the luxury tax. But so far, they've been making a lot of cost cutting moves. They've gone out and signed a few veterans on veteran minimum contracts. But uh, back to the Kevin Herter trade, you know, uh, they uh, get Justin Holiday, Mo Harkless. Uh, two pretty inexpensive players who are both defensive-minded, so that's good. And they also picked up a uh, lottery-protected draft pick as well, which is good because they just sold off all their draft capital last week. So you got to have something in the pipeline, so... All in all, it, it does make sense, and uh, definitely wish Kevin the best in Sacramento. But, man, you can tell in his eyes, he's hurting. I don't know if you've seen the <laughs> pictures and videos of him in summer league, but it seems like my man is not excited to be in Sacramento.
0: Yeah. And can you blame them? I mean, no, no. especially with ATL looking like they could, you know, they could potentially do something after that trade. And you, you've mostly been playing for something for the last two years. It felt like you were playing for something. Sacramento, I I see the vision. Well, all right. Let me not lie. I don't see the vision (laughs) because what they did with Sabonis, I felt like that was a very short term move. I do Mm -hmm. somewhat like the offseason that they had. I like the Mm -hmm. way Keegan Murray looks right now. So at least they might put themselves in contention for something. But when you're just going to a franchise like Sacramento, uh, there's obvious reasons that you would have some hurt in your eyes every time you're in public. But um, yeah, you know, more more Kings talk later in the summer, maybe for those of y'all that are listening, if I could find somebody that covers the Kings, we'll we'll do such a thing. So I referenced the Hawks 2021 run a couple of times here, got within just a couple of wins of the NBA finals. They come into this season and a quote that stuck out to me from the very beginning, which I I'd never, again, it's it's just a quote, so I never gave it too much power, but it did kind of stick with me that Trey Young kind of came in and said. Immediately within the first week or first two weeks that the regular season was was boring after having gotten to the playoffs. And I kind of always that that one kind of gave me a pause. And then the season went how it did. What was do you think the biggest and there was definitely injuries, too? But I'm wondering if you think there was anything more. Like the difference between that twenty twenty one Hawks team that made that surprise run, because it was a surprise run and it was not a fluke. I always try to remind people there wasn't a bunch of injuries in that run that that had them in the conference finals. They were they were competing with the Bucks before Trey Young went out. They were like right there. So what was the difference between that team and then the one that came into this year struggling to get into the playoffs.
1: <clears throat> yeah, as always, you hit the nail on the head. They came in fat and happy, and of course everybody's giving Trey a rough time because he had that that slip where he's like regular season's boring. And then, uh, but even Clint Capella came out a couple months later and said the same thing. He said, "Man, we showed up at training camp and nobody was excited to be there." And you know, and that just speaks there. There's a locker room issue, or there's a culture problem in the in the locker room when a bunch of 24, 25 year old guys are com, who've never won a championship are complaining about it being boring. It's like, man, y'all aren't the 2002 Lakers. Y'all can't <laughs> complain about the regular season being boring. You don't have that right yet. Even even if it's true, like you you gotta you gotta have some better uh, PR messaging than that at least, and you gotta find a way to be motivated. So honestly, they came in fat and happy, got off to a slow start. Uh, a lot of folks they point to some injuries and COVID, but honestly, that's the entire NBA. You can't use that as an excuse. And then uh, they didn't improve at all during the summer of 2021 uh, free agency which I get everybody was super high on the young core. We thought Kevin Herter had unlocked his defense. So I understand that. And then the trade deadline comes and goes, and they didn't make a single move to try to get better. And you can't stay stagnant in the NBA. It's an arms race. And, you know, what's good in 2021 isn't necessarily going to be good in 2022. So you always got to find a way to get better. All their opponents got better. So honestly, uh, it, it was kind of a wasted year it was a it was a career career year for trey young and it got tossed away
0: yeah and if anything at least it was a learning learning experience on multiple fronts because like you said they came in flat because they had made the conference finals but you hadn't even made the finals you hadn't won anything and then the front office hadn't gotten better because they trusted that course so it, it seems at least we know this summer that they have addressed one of those things and and you know having a sense of urgency to to change the roster and get some help and we'll see how they come into next season. Cause like you said, it's probably Mm -hmm. a young thing. And especially when that kind of, that kind of sentiment comes from the top of Trey young, who's pretty much supposed to be the leader of the team that sets Mm -hmm. the tone for the season. So I remember hearing that on on this podcast, I was like, Whoa, like relax. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, But,
1: but the good news, the good news is, man, Trey really is different when it comes to his work ethic and his mentality. Like everybody's got their own PR team putting out messaging, but I mean, from every single account I've ever heard, this is the most competitive dude you've ever met. Like I talked to his trainer growing up, and he's like, I could tell when he was a little kid. I was like, this kid's different, not just because of his physical skills, but like his mentality. And so, yeah, I think it was a slip of the tongue. But he's going to come back and prove like a lot of folks, they just kind of gloss over the fact that the NBA just completely nuked his ability to get to the free throw line. And it took him about two weeks to adjust yeah. and he led the league in total points and total assists. So he really is different.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. To, to your free throw point, I feel like that was a conversation everyone was having. And it died so quickly that a lot of people have forgotten about it. A lot of people have forgotten about the rule change. But that absolutely was a thing when we heard the rules were changing. There was probably three players everyone put a microscope on and Trey Young was one of them and he went on to still probably have the best season of his career so much props oh, for God. that and yeah you, you know the work is there because one thing that sticks out especially because we're in summer league right now I remember how hard he struggled in summer league and how people were just writing him off from that point so he's kind of always dealt with you know that factor of of people more or less questioning him and you know he came in and turned that around so for anybody we're going to talk about summer league a little bit but those of y'all watching summer league right now and judging players harshly just remember Trey young uh, who was probably if his team was winning could have probably been an mvp candidate this year just remember he absolutely did not you know he didn't come in hot um it took him some time and um, so we talked about the differences between the Hawks we're gonna see what happens with them this year I had one more topic on that it will come back to me I guess I would just go ahead and pivot now to a question that people are having with John Collins because his name has been floated around in trade talks for a long time now I feel It feels dating back to the trade deadline and no one quite knows are the Hawks holding on to them onto him or are they looking to just go ahead and catch him up for other pieces what is your sense there with Collins you think he's going to be a part <laughs> Part of this long-term roster, or he'll kind of stick it out just somewhat through the season, or is are they really still looking to move him for something else on the roster?
1: Honestly, I'm shocked he's still on the roster at this point. Atlanta's front office has gone out of their way to remind him that he's expendable every step of the way for the past two years. Uh, they they let him they uh, let him hit restricted free agency, and he well, he proved himself. They let him hit restricted free agency, and he cashed in on a on a nice deal. And then uh, they immediately start shopping him around. They pick up right where they left off with the trade talks, and uh, it hit a fever pitch at the end of the season, leading into this summer. It really seemed like we had seen John Collins in a Hawks uniform for the last time. So I don't understand it. I really don't understand why they seem so eager to move on from John Collins. He's uh, he's a solid. He's more than a solid. I think he's a third option on a championship-contending team. Uh, He's got a blue collar, hard hat kind of work ethic. He's an army brat. So he definitely has that sort of mentality, which is something that the Hawks roster really lacks a lot, especially this past season. And people forget he's only 24 years old. Uh, We talk about him like he's some sort of grizzled veteran, but he's the same age as DeAndre Hunter. So to answer your question, I. I think you'll be on the roster come opening night. I think fans are going to be subjected again to more trade talks <laughs> come next February. It's going to be groundhogs day all over <laughs> again.
0: Yeah, that one, especially after the run they had that did kind of confuse me. I, cause I know the trade talks had been heavy pretty much, like you said, ever since then. So uh, I just been kind of waiting. Uh, obviously the market as a whole feels like it's That's at a standstill right now. So uh, who knows what's going to happen in the coming months, but that will be interesting to see what happens with John Collins. As you were talking, I, I remembered because you said DeAndre Hunter and I was thinking about some of the younger players, specifically in Okongwu, who I felt like had a good bit of opportunity because of of Clint Capella and his health situation throughout Mm -hmm. this year. And I feel like he more than just showed some flashes. I... Just from the outside looking in, I don't cover the Hawks, but it kinda seems like if the choices is this Capella and Okongwu going forward, Okongwu is kind of the future in that position. Um, is that the sense that you're getting and what did you see from him this season that makes you excited going forward, if anything at all? Cause I, I liked a lot of what I saw from Onyeko Okongwu.
1: You're exactly right. He is the uh, the future for the Atlanta Hawks post-play. There's no doubt about it. He's dealt with some injuries through his first two years. He got off to a slow start during his rookie season, but then he came alive during the playoffs, and everybody said, yo, who is this rookie who is sticking with Giannis and sticking yeah. with Embiid so tough during the playoffs? So that was great. But then he, unexpectedly, he had shoulder surgery during the off last summer, so he came in and uh, missed the first few months of the season. But honestly, picked up right where he left off. And I think that's uh, around a lot of the urgency to break up John and Clint is just because they want to make room for Okongwu. They do believe he is um, a future, uh, part of the future of this uh, franchise. So, and they, they got to make a move soon. You know, he's moving into his third year and they got to find out for sure. Like, is he, is he for real or not? And uh I, and I believe he is so. Uh, definitely a believer in him, a believer in his defense and his toughness. And uh, he's he's undersized, but uh, he really is. He really is a tough defender, which is something the Hawks can't afford to lose.
0: Absolutely, yeah. When you talk about young names on this roster, like Okongwu and DeAndre Hunter, that was mm-hmm. the other part of the the Jonte trade where we were going. Well, they didn't even have to dig into the youth really, besides the picks. Right. Like they they got to keep the the exciting young talent on the roster and some important defensive pieces. So yeah, the Hawks are going to be really interesting defensively going forward. We know that that's a question that we have with Trey Young on that end of the ball, but you know you, you've got a couple of defenders on this roster. You've got the Jante to come in and, and really kind of take up for that now. So. I'll I am very interested to see the evolution in both of their games going forward. Um, The last Hawks topic here, their pick, A.J. Griffin. Okay, I don't know much about him. What do you think about him and his fit on this roster, and will he be, like, making an immediate impact, or will he be kind of, like, worked in? Um, Yeah, honestly, explain it to me like I'm five, if you can, (laughs) (laughs) because he's not playing a summer league either, so...
1: Exactly. No, I'll just, I'll be real blunt. We're not going to see much of him during his rookie season. Uh, It's clear that the Hawks have a type. They like big wings out of Duke with questionable injury history. They've (laughs) gone Cam Reddish, Jalen Johnson, and now AJ Griffin, like three out of four years. So they clearly have a type. But then right after they drafted him, uh, the new general manager, Landry Fields, he said, honestly, we didn't expect him to be there didn't have any communications with him during the draft process mm. don't really know how much of an impact he's going to have during his rookie season and as as you know i'm not sure if everyone knows Nate mcmillan the hawks head coach does not play rookies i see. Uh, johnson Sharif cooper they played historically low minutes and uh... you know he had to get nudged along to play a the previous season so he's definitely an old-school coach not a big fan of playing rookies let them let them earn it so I think AJ Griffin I think he's looking at a season similar to Jalen Johnson last year where he doesn't get off the bench very much but um, he he's a lights out shooter and he's big and he's young he's only 18 years old so there's a lot to like I just don't I think he's gonna be spending most of his time in College park with the Skyhawks. Oh, yeah. Thank
0: you for bringing them up. I absolutely should have had that on here because like, I did some work with the G League this year. So I got to dabble yeah. into the G. And it, it, in that process, I got pretty familiar with Sharif Cooper, obviously Jalen Johnson. And so but with Sharif Cooper specifically, I've always gotten the sense because he's he's he, <coughs> excuse me. He showed some flashes. Uh, I've always had the the sense that maybe his future is not with ATL, especially now, like with mm-hmm. the with the guard depth. Um, yeah. Do, yeah. Do you think especially with the so with the guard depth and the youth you kind of think he'll ever get a chance on this roster because i can see the potential if he has somewhere to go and develop um i like some what he did in the g this year and then you can you can speak on jalen johnson as well because i know some people were very high on on some of what they saw at the uh, at the lower level
1: for sure so they both look great in the g league jalen johnson and sharif cooper they balled out in the g league so and then uh as for uh sharif cooper He's in a little bit more of a precarious situation, second round draft pick. So right now he's a restricted free agent. I doubt any team swoops in and throws a contract at him. So I could see him coming back to Atlanta on a two way deal, similar to the way Skylar Mays did last year. But it's going like you said, man, it's gonna to be tough for him to break the rotation, especially now with DeJounte Murray. And I, I do think he's nice. I think he's got a future in the NBA. He's just gotta find the right the right team. Like it's just you know, a lot of things have to click, man, and you, you can end up in the wrong organization and be a solid player. Like, look at Cam Reddish, man. He got traded mm-hmm. to the New York Knicks, and now it looks like he's on on the fringe of the league just, uh, just within a matter of a few months. So, you know, I hope Sharif, if he doesn't get the opportunity in Atlanta, I hope he gets it somewhere because he is a nice player and he deserves to be on an NBA roster somewhere.
0: Yeah, situation is just so important because I remember even dating back to Summer League last year, seeing Sharif play. It just always kind of seems like his, his reads his uh, skill level is a little bit more advanced than where he's playing. Every time I've every time i ever peeped in on a game and I'm going, wow, this is unfortunate for a guy with this skill set to be drafted to the same team as Trey Young because I don't think he's ever going to get a real chance to like blossom here. So this might, my, I think Sharif could very well be a thing, you know, a couple of years later, if he finds himself in a different situation, that's a name that I would pay attention to. But yeah, G League, I always tell people who listen to this pod, that's a very underutilized resource for fans you can go there and you can see some of uh some of the future for some of these teams it's um it was a fun okay. follow this year so that about covers the atlanta hawks definitely one of the more exciting teams this year trying to recoup in what is now a a crazy crazy eastern conference so good on the front office for making those moves and we will see what happens with john collins because that is a very precarious situation and if they do trade him very interested in what else uh, you know what type of pieces they would be looking for on that roster We will move into uh getting your perspective on this gobert trade because i did talk about it in the last pod that was actually what my last pod was centered around however that was just my perspective i did that one solo i did not have a guess and a lot of people are not high on this trade at all because of what it cost it was so high that this happening at the same time as the durant uh trade request is it seems like it's thrown things out of whack because they're going wow Five picks and players for Gobert. All right, then Durant, you gotta give <laughs> us. You have to give us your your entire front office. You have to give us everything. Is yeah. <laughs> all of it. Um. So we'll we'll talk about Gobert and Mitchell. But what did you think of the Gobert trade for for both teams?
1: Man, like you said, that price was exorbitant, and I think. The timing of that, with now Durant wanting out of Brooklyn, it couldn't happen at a worse time. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I guess teams, perhaps, they're not going to get fleeced anymore for letting go of stars. No more Paul Gasol trades. So mm-hmm. That That is absolutely a thing in the past. I think. I don't know who to credit. I don't know if it's Daryl Morey or if these uh, uh, front office executives are just becoming savvier. But man, that was such a huge haul for Gobert, who, obviously, a great player. Excellent regular season player. But then there's a question mark that always lingers on around him during the playoffs. So, you know, I guess Minnesota has to do what they have to do. It was a weak free agency uh, this year, and I'm not sure how many free agents want to go up there and play in Minnesota. So they've got to make those sort of big trades. And then on the the flip side of it, it's going to have a huge impact on Donovan Mitchell and the Utah Jazz. Like, I I don't know why Donovan Mitchell is going to want to stick around now for what is an apparent rebuild.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you brought up a good point. It was more or less I, I feel like what I was saying on, on last pod was that if you're a team like the Wolves, I didn't bring up the, the good point there. Like, yeah, what, what free agent ever really goes to the Timberwolves? Whoever wakes up and says, I want to go play in Minnesota, that doesn't happen a lot. So, if you're a franchise like that in this ultra competitive Western Conference where these healthy teams are coming back, it feels like at a certain point, you just got to kind of make a go for it move. And that's kind of, that's really what I thought they did. Now, Cat is going to be shifted to the power four position. You got Gobert, who can hopefully be a defensive backbone. I know the questions are throughout the playoffs but my hope is that and i, I guess maybe the wolves won't won't be done in fr- making moves this summer but mm-hmm. my hope is that they learn from what happened with gobert in utah and that yes if you have him around a bunch of guys who are constantly going to get beat off the dribble gobert will be useless in yeah. the playoffs yeah. you, you guys will lose very predictably to the clippers if you if uh, you know if you can't stay in front of the ball at least some percent of the game it's hard in the nba in general but especially when you, know, you were on the utah jazz so i felt like it was a good move for them Uh, And the package that the Utah Jazz got, it does feel like a rebuild. So They got some defenders, but I still don't know if Patrick Beverly is going to play for them. Yeah, it feels like a restart pack, but we hadn't like, I don't know. Everything just kind of feels mysterious around Donovan Mitchell because he himself has never requested a trade, but we've also never heard him really commit other si- side of the contract, you know, which obviously stars go get their money when it's there, yeah, exactly. but it doesn't mean they actually want to be there. We've never actually heard him say, I want to be here for a long, long time and we're gonna stay here and I, I don't know it does feel like to me within the next year i guess nothing i guess everything is really slow moving right now but it does feel like donovan mitchell's time is kind of it's numbered in utah because despite getting some defenders that, that doesn't feel like it's going to be a good team as it's currently constructed i know some people might no. be on it but nah, that's that's does seem like a rebuild um so yeah that's pretty much what we've what you said about minnesota uh We did mention KD there and how the market is more or less at a standstill because he has requested a trade, which has been first of all that entire saga was was weird, but now it feels what's your sense do you feel like kd is gonna be moved this summer or at all because there's so many moving pieces to this you have a mvp level player that has requested a trade it's obviously a very toxic situation but he's uh he he signed a four-year extension less than 12 months ago it feels like (laughs) so the nets don't in theory have to do anything but also if you get into a situation where for whatever reason at all we started the year and both katie and kyrie weren't playing it it feels like brooklyn can't afford to be bad until they get some draft picks back because they traded everything they traded it all for james harden and so until you get some picks back it it feels like even though they're dragging well they're not dragging their feet with it the market is just they're they're waiting for somebody to actually bite um yeah it feels like you're still somewhat at Kevin Durant some mercy which that's just the way it is these days you're at the mercy of your star player uh, mm-hmm. when they when they want to request a trade or whatever they want to do but yeah what's your sense with this whole thing do you feel like he'll be moved do you feel like it's gonna drag on how do you kind of see this playing out not a specific team really because obviously I don't yeah. think any of us have a clue where Kevin Durant would yeah. actually be traded at this point
1: Man, I don't think Durant gets traded, to be honest. I think he's overplayed his hand. I don't think he has that much leverage. I think the Gobert trade, the way that went down, I think that couldn't have happened at a worse time for everybody because now we find out that what Brooklyn's wanting in return for Kevin Durant, they want the trade haul, the end-all trade hauls. It's like you're going to have to guarantee make your team worse in order to get probably make two teams worse in order to get Tev- Kevin Durant <laughs> some sort of mega trade and I just don't know who's going to do that and I think KD's overplayed his hand on this one and maybe um, a little bit of a market correction to some degree of the player empowerment era because we see these dudes they sign a, a huge contract and then one to two years later they won out if I'm Brooklyn, I'm calling his bluff. KD's not about to sit out and pull a Ben Simmons. Right. He's under contract. I say, alright, buddy, we'll see you in October. And if you're KD, man, give it a shot. You got Kyrie, you know, if he's there. You got Ben Simmons if he's there. And I just don't I just don't see it happening. You know, and so, you know, what's really weird is I don't think it really makes a huge difference in this one scenario, but there's no trade clause in his contract. I just think he overplayed his hand and uh, at this point, I think he's on their, their roster come opening night.
0: Yeah, it's feeling that way because we keep hearing reports about, oh, this could happen in the next week. This next week is really important, but at the end of the day this is to my memory the most valuable player that's ever requested a trade at this point in his career i don't i don't think we really have a precedent for this type of thing and so when you hear trade reports uh about the the nets asking for this you really go what team in their right mind would do this for a 34 34 year old kb like by the time he starts he, he's great but he's still 34 and you're asking teams to basically you know basically just whore out their future. <laughs> Kevin yeah, Durant that's exactly on the- right.
1: <laughs> especially, and for a guy, I mean, I don't think any players come back from a, an Achilles tear other than maybe Dominique Wilkins, who has looked, at, who looks like they haven't missed a step the way KD has. But like you said, at the end of the day, man, he's, he's 34 with a ton of miles on him, and you're asking a team to completely mortgage their entire future on that. I, I just don't think, you'd have to be one really super thirsty team to do that you would you know just a team who isn't going to get any free agents i just don't know who's going to make that trade because you're going to probably lose the trade
0: so what about Kyrie then? Because that one seems a little bit more direct. The Lakers are in a desperate situation trying to get uh, out, out from under Westbrook. It seems like everything we've heard, LeBron wants Kyrie. We know that they can fit together and, and if they could stay on the floor, Kyrie, AD, and LeBron would be pretty deadly. Do you think that one ends up getting done? Because I, I I don't know. People were posting pictures yesterday of Kyrie next to Jerry West and yeah. some of the Clippers brass, yeah. but I've always, be, I've long time said, I just don't know why the Clippers would, would really get involved with this. It feels like a one-to-one thing the Lakers need Kyrie apparently Kyrie kind of wants to be there uh I, know, I could see easily why KD ends up staying on the roster but do you think that one gets done
1: yeah I, I would see that one being more likely to happen uh LeBron obviously wants to play with him and I'm sure you saw those videos floating around of Westbrook at Summer League yeah it, it seems like that relationship is cooked and you know why not it just, the salaries match up pretty well why not give both players, both uh, franchises, a little bit of a reset right now? It, it seems to me like it makes too much sense. So, I wouldn't be surprised if if that trade goes down. I think it makes LeBron and AD happy, and I think uh, to me it's a win for the Lake. I'm a Lakers fan, so you know we're we're crazy. Everything's win now. Everything you know. Uh, facts be damned we don't care just give us the best players and let, let them figure it out on the court so to me it makes a lot of sense for Kyrie to go to the Lakers and I could see that one happening over the next month
0: I should have asked that at the beginning I, I don't know I just assumed since you were working for the Hawks okay so Lakers fan now that's that's interesting for this for this point um <laughs> and, and for this part and yeah though no, you're right like it's as far as we know it's it's LeBron's well no it not as far as we know That's what it's on The contract This is his last yeah. Actual inked year So um I just feel like Going into it With Russell Westbrook Would almost assure That this season Is probably not going To be satisfactory And you just no. don't want uh, you, you don't want Like a C plus Anything less than Like a B minus Of a season Where LeBron James Is making decisions Is bad Is bad for business yeah. So um yeah I felt like that team Has is the one team Out there that needs To move heaven and earth To get Kyrie on there And then that'll Make things interesting With KD Because that's still not just from the from the trade perspective for the nets i think we've been hearing about three teams deals and westbrook ending up on the san antonio spurs which would then probably end up leading to a buyout um (laughs) and the pieces that the the nets would then end up with is like what maybe some picks and then Taylor and horde so then that makes it really interesting because now the nets would no longer even really be in contention so there's just a whole lot of question marks going on but uh it will be interesting to see where it all goes because yeah the kd market is is almost or the asking price for him is almost too high and it's just uh it's it's put everything in the mud for the off season except summer league so that is happening right now I know you just said at the at the beginning. Both, both of us are kind of like peeping in on summer league. Neither of us uh, have gotten out to Vegas this year. But is there anything that uh, yeah, you've seen from any of like the top prospects or any other, you know, maybe lower name prospects that you've liked in the summer league so far? As we've said before, there's not too much stock to put in it. I know a lot of. The teams fans are getting excited and it's nice to see young talent come out and ball out and do what they're supposed to do but at the end of the day there's also some guys struggling we saw trey young struggle so i never put too much stock yeah, exactly. in it but it's been fun to watch has it been anything that's been even slightly interesting to you over these uh first few days
1: yeah for sure so right now um i think keegan murray he's looked good uh he's shown that he's a good player he really shoots well on the move he knows how to move around screens so uh don't want to get too hyped but i think keegan murray's look good obviously chet looks good as long as he's not battling kenny lofton Mm -hmm. then uh then chet's as long as those two don't run into each other i think chet's going to be just fine though uh on on the flip side though i think uh jabari smith we don't really know much it could take a while for him and then of course uh paulo banquero i think he's shown flashes of what he can be so uh uh, not not too many surprises, but uh, we'll we'll see how it shakes out. What are, what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, so Jabari Smith, it, it, there has been struggles, but I would also like to point out for people. I don't know how many of y'all have been watching Rockets summer league games, and from the first game, it seems like there is a concentrated effort from some of the Rockets ball handlers to not get him the ball. <laughs> now, in the game, yeah. they, in the game I saw last night, he got to shoot quite a bit, and he the it, it was a. Bad shooting night for him, but defensively looked pretty solid. And I, I would just say, yeah, there's been a lot of times where he's calling for like a, a handoff or something and guys just don't even look his way. It's kind of, it's kind of baffling because some of the guys that are actually on the Rockets roster right now that he's going to have to play with. So I did find that much interesting. Uh, Paolo Bancaro, I'm in Orlando. I've never been a Magic fan, but I am going to Magic games this year. There we I, go. <laughs> I said not to get too high on, on some league prospects, but when a guy comes in and does what you, what you kind of already saw his potential as in college, it does i think then you kind of have reason to be excited because we looked at Paolo. you're saying okay this is a you know this is pretty much your your modern day ford Comes mm-hmm. in is handling the ball. He's obviously gonna have to sharpen his shooting, but the skill level my goodness, just not even just the offensive moves, but the passing right now. I am so excited mm-hmm. to see how he fits in with this, this Orlando roster. He's gonna come in on the front court with Franz Wagner and, and Wendell Carter. Um, if anything else, because there's a lot of mouths to feed in Orlando, it's a young team, That's but it. if anything else, his passing on this roster is just going to be just amazing to watch. So, I I am excited as a, a Celtics fan. I should not be this excited for another team, but yeah.
1: No, man, that's fair. They've got an exciting young roster, and if I'm you down there in Orlando, I'm definitely getting down there to some games because yeah. obviously they're not win now or anything, but they got some future stars on that squad.
0: Yes, yeah, and the, even their second round pick too Not sure how much he's going to play But I, God, his first name is slipping me But his last name is Houston He's a shooter, yeah, yeah, yeah. so that seems like it might be an interesting second round pick So yeah, the Magic I For those of y'all that, that are listening right now Y'all know months ago I told y'all Buy some Magic stock, that was before they drafted Paolo So yeah. I, I bought my stock early, can't say nothing Um, Yeah, like you said, Keegan Murray I That does make me question What the Kings plan is with Harrison Barnes Because yeah. they made that go for it move With Sabonis and that they're Mm -hmm. trying to make the playoffs right now. And, you know, Keegan being a forward and Harrison Barnes being there. And he had a decent season last year, kind of wondering if they're going to how much run Keegan's actually going to get. But shout out to the Kings for doing the right thing and not drafting another guard, because I feel like they just tried to get from under that problem by uh, trading (laughs) Tyrese Halliburton and going with Fox and Davion Mitchell. So, yeah, Keegan Murray, very excited for that. Um, Chet. Yeah. Also, for me in Orlando, I wanted to see them either end up with Paolo or Chet. Those were the two that I was most fascinated by. So I'll take Paolo, but Chet, my good this also going to be great um number one thing that with him in the draft i was just going all right i want to see what his defense looks like at this level Mm -hmm. and so far in the summer league as a rim protector i see the potential him coming over from the weak side to get some of the blocks that he does that is going to be fun to watch with this thunder roster um obviously he he and josh giddy together josh giddy's out there shout out to him for playing in the summer league he's one of those guys that Uh, If he didn't play in the summer league, you could have understood. But his passing is just like it was all season. His passing is always on another level. It's the same way right now in summer league. Uh, And the other pick, I believe it's it's Jalen Williams, too. I've seen some things from him. The Thunder have just like, obviously one of the, there's there's so many young teams with just ridiculously bright futures right now. It's, it's hard to even pinpoint like who you would be most excited about. But yeah, those are, those are some of them. Those are obviously the top level prospects. Kenny Lofton, I've been excited about him since, uh, yeah, the elite camp, a guy at his size. I was just fascinated because nobody really has. Nobody really has his build in the league. Of course, you have Zion, who's also like a smaller tank type build, but Kenny Lofton, <laughs> I was just wondering, okay, at the NBA level, what does this look like? Defensively, I think it's going to be interesting at the pro level. He's going to have to develop there so he doesn't get in the foul trouble. But the size, like you said, he went at Chet a couple of times at the <laughs> beginning of the game, and he knows how to throw that around. He's got handles. He's so
1: smooth. He's smooth. Yeah, he's so smooth with his moves and everything. Like, I have a tweet back from May where I was like, all right, this is officially a Kenny lofton's account <laughs> from this point forward. Like, I Was watching some of his Team USA tapes and everything, and he's really so well developed. And obviously, like you said, you know, defense going to be an issue, conditioning, all that. But that that man, he's a professional player, and I love that he comes in such a weird frame. And he's not just your six your your usual six foot eight wing player, you know, different position, you know, who can guard different positions. He's just he's got a funky build, and uh, I'm so excited about him
0: absolutely and he's backing his talk up right now because he went undrafted i felt like i knew he was going undrafted yeah i again i I went through some of the elite camp stuff, and then I looked at his stock, and I was going, okay, he's probably not going to be drafted, but he tweeted out something about uh, everybody's going to pay is what he said, and so he came, yeah. Out, yeah, he came out with that type of swag, and so far, it's it's looking good, and I'm very excited to see what the Grizzlies do. That's a contending team, but it's also a young team, so I want to see how they end up bringing him along.
1: That's what I tweet out whenever whenever I have like a slow news day, and I'm not really getting traffic on the website. Everybody's going to pay. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Everybody's going to pay. Yeah, that's the slogan. I hope I hope that one sticks if he ends up uh, really doing something with this. The last prospect I would say I, I'm super excited about and have been excited about. There's a lot of names out there. Of course, you got Jaden Hardy, who had a great debut and ended up on the Mavericks. So that's a fascinating situation with them losing Jalen Brunson. He needs a lot of development. But I like what I saw because he pretty much fell in the draft. Uh, Marjan Bochamp ending up with the Milwaukee Bucks. This is a young wing defender who, in his debut, showed a lot of potential. Uh, Cam Thomas was calling for uh, wisely calling for switches off of him because he's got a he's got a <laughs> lot of length. He's got a lot of defensive grit, and that's exactly what the Milwaukee Bucks need. Really, They when Middleton went out, they lacked another. They they lacked young legs that could really do something on the other side of the ball. They had guys who could space the floor, which he's gonna have to work on, but. On the defensive side, gosh, if they can make it work with him and Giannis in some lineups, if his shot ends up good enough for him to be in lineups with Giannis, my goodness, they are going to give teams more hell than they already have at the defensive end. So definitely yep. keep an eye on Marjan. And yeah, that pretty much covers the summer league uh, uh, You know, so far. It goes on until the 17th. So we'll probably have more Summer League talk on this pod. The very last thing, because I don't know. Yeah, I, I did kind of gloss over it when free agency happened. But were you surprised to see? Well, I guess that's not a surprise when someone takes, what, 250 million dollars on the contract. But Bradley Beal sticking with the Wizards. Was that where you kind of saw this going? Because the last quote we had before he signed that was his biggest decision. And what he did in free agency was going to be where he thought he could win and then he ended up signing with uh, he ended up signing with uh you know the wizards is that kind of where you saw saw that going and was that a surprise and do you think it's he even has a no trade clause like did anything about this (laughs)
1: That man, he stood up there and lied to our face talking about he wants to be wherever he can win. But uh, no, I I wasn't surprised at all. I think he, of course, you know, he opted out of that $36.4 million uh, option, became a free agent. A couple days later, signs a five-year $251 million max contract. I'm happy for him. He's a great player, but I don't see how this ends well for one of the two parties. The Wizards are going... So I see it going one of two ways. Either he balls out and in a year or two, he's going to start taking, um, uh, perspective, looking at things from a different perspective, and say, "Hey, I want to win right now," and he's going to demand a trade, or maybe he his uh, production falls off a little bit, or God forbid, an injury or anything like that, and then the Wizards are stuck with this contract. So I just don't see how it ends well for for the Wizards, to be honest.
0: I, yeah, because even with. So the amount of money is one thing, but the no trade clause means that when if and when that time does come a couple of years down the road that he's going, all right, nothing has happened with development on Washington. They haven't brought me anybody. I want to be traded. He can essentially choose where he goes because he can say no to certain deals. So they can't just send him uh, to, to the middle of nowhere when that day comes. Uh, so that yeah, when anytime and I get it, like if you're Washington, what do you do? You could have restarted, yeah, exactly. I guess, but it's kind of like with the Blazers also. So that happened since the last time I've been on podcast. They extended Lillard up to so 2027, uh, they gave him the extra two years. He's gonna be 36 years old, getting 60 million dollars at that time. So, um, I guess the difference there is Lillard has said so much about being loyal that at this point it would be so screwed up for him to end up asking for a trade at, at any point in the future because he's made a point about the name on the front of the jersey and how he doesn't want to team up with guys. So I guess, I guess if you're the Blazers, you can kind of at least rest on the fact that he probably won't be asking out unless you just royally screw some things up. And even for Portland, I mean, I I don't think their moves are going to move them are going to do anything to move the needle for them, but they've at least made efforts this summer and going and yeah, getting a Jeremy Grant and Gary Payton. We still we have no clue what's, what, what Shadon Sharp is going to look like because he has a labral tear in the shoulder, so he can't play yeah. uh, for a lot of summer leagues. So we'll see how it happens with that. But yeah, Lillard making that type of money um, at the end of his career when he slowed down this year because of an abdominal injury. We <laughs> will see where that goes. And yeah, as it far as it goes on the list, it looks like we are... Pre- oh, oh, last thing. Very, 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 very last thing. Uh, do you know anything about Jaden and Ivy and, and his fit with Cade? Do you, do you have any, any thoughts there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think Ivy, he's his really looked good so far in summer league. And um, I think the Pistons are in good shape. Both uh, Jaden and Jalen are going to be good pros. I think if Cade can take a leap over the next one to two seasons, I think that will give the two younger players a chance to grow with no pressure uh, Ivy has a great first step. Duran is a big athletic freak. So, yeah, I think the Pistons are looking good. I'm, I'm pretty high on them right now.
0: Yeah, my my sense is that we're going to be looking and asking why did teams trade uh, Jalen Duran? Because, yeah, like you said, athletic freak. So far, I've seen some, some nice passing reads from him and fitting on this roster with Cade and Ivy that just to get them both at the same time I think it's going to work out really well and then uh, I had, I've already been giving the Pistons praise this summer for moving very quickly on this thing and building around Cade basically because yeah. we saw this type of rookie season that Cade had and he he is going to be him. The, the finishing package there, the passing is there. He would have he averaged around 6 assists this year. Would have averaged more if guys could have hit more shots around him. So yeah. Yeah, this is kind of like how the Hawks have got uh, Trey and DeJounte together. I mean mm-hmm interesting because now you're going to have ivy and kate in the backcourt i at, at its best i think you're going to have another creator and ivy when you need it so kate is obviously going to handle most of those responsibilities but at other times you're going to see ivy with it um he's going to be in summer league so far we've already seen his ability to create very explosive so the cuts that he's going to be able to make off ball hopefully and and you know and and having Cade hit him on back doors and such, the connection there is just going to be awesome. That's an that's an awesome pick for the Pistons. Um, I'm yeah. glad that glad the Kings didn't didn't draft Ivy. So I am also <laughs> very high on that. I've got a little bit of Detroit stock, but I've been been that way since they got Cade. All right, well, sure. that about wraps it up. Once again, uh, thanks for coming on, Pat, and plug your stuff, uh, your, your Twitter, and where people can find your work. It'll also be in the links in the comment section and in, in description, so they'll be able to find you too.
1: Yeah, man, for sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Everybody, they can follow me online at pat underscore benson underscore junior. And again, I just want to thank you for having me. I don't think people know what a big fan I am of yours. I've been watching your videos for years and watching you develop just from being a young man passionate about basketball into being a legitimate voice in the basketball world, seeing you interview legends, get flown out to different events, man. It's been Nothing short of inspirational to watch you work over the past few years, and I just don't think you hear it enough. So thank you for having me. Thank you for everything you contribute to the basketball world
0: hey man absolutely appreciate it honestly i don't even mind not hearing it because i never know how to respond to, to compliments like i really don't let <laughs> <want> people do <to laughs> no, it but, but no i absolutely do appreciate it and you're killing it too it's always fun Thanks. to when, when i talk to people in the community and they tell me how they've you know how they landed their job or how they got here it's yeah. there's another guy that that's working with the nuggets right now that has a very similar story and i'm just like wow that's the ways cool. the ways you can make it today or in, in sports are just crazy like they just, they just you know the opportunity is just there and they're like okay all of a sudden you're you're with the team it's it's awesome so yeah, yeah no continued success absolutely appreciate you coming on uh for viewers you know this podcast is on spotify it's on apple Podcasts, it's on youtube hit the like button if you're on youtube and the bell next to my name you want notifications when things drop i'm going to plug all of pat's stuff in the comment section so you can follow him on twitter the book that he was talking about and his his work on the net much appreciated and i will see y'all on the next episode